Welcome men to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. As always, thank you for taking time and checking out this Friday Out in the Garage podcast. It's Friday. That means this podcast is sponsored by Dark Water Woodwork. Visit darkwaterkc.com and pick up the Out in the Garage Beard Bundle. If you use the code EXODUS19 today, EXODUS19, all capital letters, one word, put that code in when you check out, you will save 15% off of your Out in the Garage Beard Bundle, which is beard balm, beard oil, and it has a little bit of Armored Nation coffee in it, so make sure you pick that up. I also want to make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. You can find this podcast episode there are now over 400 other podcast episodes. You can see the most recent blog posts, sign up for the email newsletter, see what is available in the gear store. I want to tell you, secure your spot in Tribe. I've said it ad nauseum. I continue to talk about it, but I'm telling you, I hear testimonies from guys all the time who will say, man, I drug my feet on this. I waited till the next session. I wish I'd have done it sooner whatever. And they get in it and they experience it. And it's not like... A study. It's not a class. It's not a whatever. You know, we, we read the Bible. We got a book. We got challenge videos, Zoom calls. It's, just, it's a lot of things. It, it's hard for me to explain it. And that's why I say, man, check out our YouTube uh, page where you can see guys that are in tribe talking about tribe. These are guys that put skin in the game. These are guys who've committed. That they're, they're they're in. They're engaging. They're building community. And I'm telling you, um, if you need it. And maybe you don't even maybe you don't even know you need it yet, but I'm I'm telling you, you need to be a part of something like this. So you got 22 days as of the day this podcast goes live. 22 days. I don't know about you, but my May and June are full, full. I have three kids in school, and the month of May, you might as well just live at the school. There is one more thing after one more thing after this project after this event after this award after this. Th- you talk about car camping. If they'll let me, I may just park my car on site and just say, hey, I'm just going to stay here because you have me here for the next 48. It's not 48 days. I'm being dramatic now. Okay. Nevertheless, sign up for tribe. All right. We are in Exodus chapter 19. Let me take a little swig of coffee here. See the door is up and it's 39 degrees out here right now. And, uh, I'm out here in a stocking cap and, um, not seeing my breath, but I'm seeing the heat leave the coffee. And I think, man, I don't want to miss that. No, this is not on video. I still don't know where that little square piece is that goes on top of a tripod. I got to be honest. I don't think I looked that hard, but I don't know where it is. So you audio guys, this, this thing's on like a lot of audio f- platforms. So you're good. You're good. Um, Exodus 19, Israel at Mount Sinai. This, you could break into really three parts. And I, I will say this. Um, as we get further into Exodus and certainly into Leviticus and Numbers, I'm not doing chapter by chapter. If you have read these books, and I encourage you to do so, and I know it can be a little arduous to navigate through them, but I think it's good to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of work on you going through Scripture. If you have read them, then you know there's a lot of instruction. And I kind of envision the people that listen to this podcast as, you know, maybe mowing the grass or at the gym or, you know, going for a walk or driving your car or whatever. You've heard me pray with guests on Mondays. And I'll reference some of that, you know, guys with their, you know, AirPods in, guys who are, you know, whatever. I I don't know how many guys are sitting in front of a table 
<clears throat> watching or listening and going through the scripture with me. Uh, I envision if there is some, and I hope I hope there are some doing that. That'd be great. But I envision it's not many. So what I try to do is, is create something that is scriptural, but is also digestible, so that when this thing wraps up and you hit you know next episode or whatever you do, um, there, there's some there's some application there, and then there's some comprehension as well. I, I want to comprehend it as well, you know myself, but um, so that's why I say always, hey, I'd love for you to go back and read this on your own because you're going to pull out a whole lot more than I will. When I look at a chapter in particular, like today is 19, next week is 20, the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to preach on all, you know, Ten Commandments to you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna summarize them and 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 give like, okay, why why did God give them the Ten Commandments and 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 so on. So Exodus 19, I'll start in verse one. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. Well, I'll pause there. In my text, I use the ESV. I don't know what you use. ESV. The word "gone out there," that's where you get the name of the book. Exodus. Exodus is a going out. Well, that's what Israel is doing. They're going out from what? From Egypt. They're leaving Egypt, right? In the 80s, when I was, you know, trying to date or have girlfriends, whatever, you'd say, Do you want to go with me? Which was so funny because I never went anywhere. So I don't know where we were going, but I'm going with so and so. No, they're going with God. Like they're going where he's going. He's leading them. Cloud by day, fire by night. At least that's the plan. That's the plan. They're supposed to go with God. But as we know, or as you're going to learn, go through this, they don't go uh, very easily. <clears throat> as a matter of fact, they go quite begrudgingly. And I'll, t- I'll get into that more in just a little bit. So they set out from there. Verse 3, while Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him on the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel. So Moses is a herald. He is communicating a message that was given to him and essentially proclaiming it to the people who are supposed to hear it. We're the same way at the gospel. We are heralds of the gospel. The gospel came to you because it is intended to go to other people. We don't want to be the dead end street of the gospel. Hey, what happened when the dead when the gospel came to you know Bob? Ah, he didn't do anything with it. Uh, well, that's unfortunate. Because it, you know, there are other people who need to hear the gospel from us. And the way you share it will probably be far more, more impactful than the way I share it, simply out of context of relationship. And so he tells Moses, you go down and you're going to say this. Verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if, this is a huge if. Now, if you write in your Bible, I do. I'm a writer, highlighter, marker. <clears throat> you say, what's your system for writing in your Bible? I don't have one. I wish I had one. I don't think I could keep it. I think I've created enough systems in my life. Uh, one more system, that might be the breaking point. So I just, you know, had to grab a red pen, green pen, brown pen, yellow highlighter. That's what I'm looking at on the text here. Blue sometimes, black sometimes, yellow maybe. Okay, that's about it. I think I just named half the rainbow. So if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a treasure possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. That's big. God said, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant. Now, it should be incredibly obvious at this point to the nation of Israel that this God is unlike any other God we have ever heard about, encountered, been told about, seen an inscription of, had a a festival to, or anything like that. I mean, this, this is a God who has clearly, 
distinguished himself above all else. What they witnessed him doing in Egypt alone is fascinating, awe-inspiring. What he has done since then, the water and the food and things of that nature, should be a good reminder to them that he is providing for them. He is sovereign and he is providential, and yet the problem is we are incredibly fickle. And we can get cranky, we can get bitter, and we can get short-sighted. And when you look at the nation of Israel, you're like, uh, that's me. <laughs> that nation of Israel, that's me. All the things they, they do, that, that, that's what I do. He said, the whole earth is mine. What, if I brought you out intentionally, what on earth would I withhold from you when I own it all? And so Moses came, this is verse 7, and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And Moses must have had incredible memory. And we were just talking about Moses this morning for, before my wife and kids left. And just Moses was different, right? You know, it just, there's certain people in the Bible, you're like, they're just, their relationship with God is just different. Verse 8, all the people answered together. This, they're regurgitating what, what God had told them. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses said, I'll be right back. And he goes and tells God. Here's the problem with that. They don't. Not only do they not do it, it's almost as if they completely get you know, selective amnesia and they forget all that God has done. They can they have no problem remembering the menu from Egypt. They have no problem remembering the landscape for graves in Egypt. But when they're out wandering, their selective amnesia kicks in and suddenly, you know, I can remember food but I can't remember what God has done. I can remember, you know, graves being there but I can't remember how he's provided for us or part of the Red Sea or they, selective amnesia. They they choose to remember what they choose to remember. That's, that's a dangerous approach when it comes to walking with the Almighty to try to cherry pick what we want to remember about Him. God has done more in my life than I'll ever be able to recall. No question about that. But I think it's important to be in tune with the Spirit because the Spirit then will remind you of God's goodness and His faithfulness. And yes, in the moment, we, we might need to be reminded of that. I had a phone call with a, a, a pastoral friend of mine a while back, and, and, and towards the end of the call, he, he reminded me of some things you know, in my own life and in ministry and things that I needed to remember. I needed to be reminded of that, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. It calls, calls us to a place of remembrance, but God doesn't force them. He says, hey, if you do this, this is, this is what's going to happen. You have the right to rebel, and believe me, they're going to do that. It reminds me of at the end of Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 30, verse 19. We're getting towards the end of Deuteronomy. And he says that basically, I set before you today blessings and curses, life and death. You know, choose. What are you, you going to do? Right? Verse 8, does that remind you of Joshua 24, 15? Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord. I've talked about Joshua 24 before, and we'll do it again as we go through this. Three times, I believe it's three times that the people say, You're, we're in. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, on the third time, Joshua says, then go home and get rid of all the idols that are in your house. Oh, you know about those? Oh, we thought we could just say the words and that would that would bring the blessing. You see, the heart and the mouth are not in alignment. I'm afraid I'm in the same place at times. My heart and my mouth are not in alignment. I'm saying the right things, but in my heart, that that's not what's manifesting itself within my heart. I'm singing the right things, 
But that's not what I'm living once I walk out the door. I'm talking the right things, but then my actions may not line up later on that night. And then I, suddenly I'm, I'm doing something that's contradictory to something I said at you know 9.30 in the morning. We need to pray that the heart and the mouth get in alignment. It's like your vehicle. When it's out of alignment, it causes a lot of damage. It causes a lot of problems. You don't think about it, and it's not a big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. And over time, you're wearing down parts of the vehicle. You're wearing down your tires, etc. The same is true in our own life. If our heart and our mouth are not in alignment, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And that's what happens with the nation of Israel. It causes a lot of problems. And not only that, God is well aware, even though they're, they're not, He's well aware that what they're saying and what they're doing and their, their, their fickleness is affecting their children. It's affecting their kids because their kids are watching this. Their kids are watching their faith. The kids are watching what they say and what they do and how they respond and how they worship. And the kids are watching, you know, their response here of like, we will, we will do this, we will do this. And then right when old dad walks back in the tent and he starts dogging Moses and dogging Aaron and questioning God and all, they're like, but out there you look spiritual, but in here you're very bitter. I, I see this in, in, in our in church world. People say one thing and they do something else. I see this a lot. I was a children's pastor, as many of you guys know, for a long period of time. And I was telling a couple of friends this recently. I said, it breaks my heart because through the years in children's ministry, you know, my thought was, especially getting out of children's ministry, was um, I'll work with the adults because I want our kids to get it. I want our kids to have healthy homes, feel loved, feel valued, know that God has a plan for them, you know, all the things. I'm not a very, like, lovey guy, but doggone it, they should have a chance and they should get to know these things. So... I thought, well, I'll work with the grown-ups. <laughs> Joke's on me, right? So I'm seeing now, now I've done this for a, a, a period of time, kids that were in my children's ministry, I mean, they're grown, they got careers, they got kids, they're, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, some of them, you know, in our later years of ministry are now getting into like high school-aged or college-aged or whatever. And occasionally I'll have a parent reach out to me that was connected to our ministry through the years. And they'll say, oh, man, I just pray for my kid or we got this going on or that going on or whatever going on. And and it breaks your heart. And you think, man, where were you when we were trying to, to, to create some family experiences? Where were you when we were talking about the value of getting to church? Where were you when we were talking about parents reading the, the Bible to their kids? And, you know, why? I know where they're at. They they were they were thinking it all just kind of shakes out in the end. They were at the ball field. They were camping. They were hiking. They were fishing. They were sleeping in. They were at Grandpa's birthday. It was on Thursday, but they're still recovering from Grandpa's birthday on Thursday, even though the old man has one every year. They were coming back from their trip. They were going to the local game or whatever. I mean, all the excuses. They were doing all these things. But hey, man, I need you to pray for my kid because he's going through a tough time right now. Listen, not that I, we should ever not ask for prayer. But at what point as a grown-up do you not own what is happening in your kid's life? And say, time out. This is not about me saving face anymore. This is about me fighting for their heart and saying, you know what? Shut the door. Shut the door. We're closing it down for a minute. We're going to call time out. And I tell you that you guys got young kids you got to think, what's it going to be like when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old? It gets a lot more challenging. i got two wonderful daughters, and I'll tell you, it gets a lot more challenging. There's a lot more influences, and they come from everywhere. And I can't control the influences no more. 
but I still need to make sure I'm leveraging what I'm doing to be an influence. Well, God knows this. And if you know the story, you know that God will save the next generation of Israel. He will. Because they matter. Even if the adults are punting on their responsibility, if they're punting on what they could be doing, if they're punting on what they said they're going to do and going home and doing something completely different, uh, God sees that. And you'll see different instances where groups of people are being wiped out for different reasons. You're like, man, why did God wipe them out? That seems unfair. Perhaps they were people that were doing this deliberately. Perhaps they were people who stood up front and said, we will, we will, we will, hands up in the air, whatever. And then they go home and they're just, maybe they were the ones that got wiped out first. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. But I know we can't fool God. And so God's going to tell Moses, give instruction and tell them, you're going to go up on the mountain. I'm going to talk to you there. This is a big deal. I'm summarizing this now. You need to read it, and, and there's a lot to it. He's basically saying, don't even get near it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't even think about touching it. Don't even get anywhere. I will wipe you out if you touch it. God is displaying his holiness. He says, don't, 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 don't try to treat me. Don't try to talk to me like you would one of the gods of Egypt. Because that ain't real. And I am, and I am holy, and I am righteous. And you don't just do whatever you want to do when it comes to God. We need to remember that as well. I want to wrap up with this idea. What we say and what we do matters. And we talk about this a lot here. The heart and the mouth have to be in alignment. Our actions affect many people. I often think that I can kind of live in a silo, and what I do doesn't really impact you. doesn't really impact this guy who's listening to this podcast or this lady that's listening to the podcast. I don't know who you are. You download it. Thanks. You know, whatever. But my my life really doesn't impact you. Uh, Yes, it does. Because if I'm not walking with the Lord or maybe I'm bitter or maybe I'm, you know, living in sin or I'm, you know, being a, a hypocrite or whatever, whatever, does it not affect the things that I say and do? And you're digesting it through your ears. And I appreciate that. We are all intertwined together through the divine thread of Jesus. So what we say and do within our home, within our workplace, within our community, oh, it matters. Within your church, you want a healthy church? Work on getting healthy homes. If you got a bunch of people in your church that don't have healthy homes, well, it's no wonder why your church has got dysfunctional ministries or you have a handful of people covering for all the other people who have who are dysfunctional. Now, we're not supposed to say they're dysfunctional because that's offensive and, well, they'll go somewhere else. But you know it. You know it. And sometimes they know it and they're just trying to give you, you know, save face and give you some kind of front. This is what you know it. And again, at at some point, it all kind of shakes out, doesn't it? Well, it's all going to shake out here for the Israelites and we won't get far into it. But in Exodus chapter 32, not 40 days later, they say, where's this Moses guy? We're tired of waiting on him. And Aaron rounds him up, gets some gold, puts it together and makes a calf. A big old orgy breaks out. They're eating. They're offering sacrifices. They're saying, this is what this is what uh, brought you out of Egypt. Kickball games are breaking out. God is furious. I just got to believe God feels the same way when we say one thing and we do something else. 
I, I just I just have to believe that he has the same anger and fury. Now, for those who say, "Well, I don't even pretend like I have it together. I just, you know, I'm, this is what I this is what I am. This is what I do. This is uh, you need to repent." Okay, <laughs> you need to repent. God says, "I don't give you extra points for being a genuine sinner. Like there's no there's no extra credit for that." We need to repent. We need to get right with God. We need to understand that He is God. He is holy. He is righteous. He is sovereign. Incredibly providential. He's provided for us, gone before us in ways that we can't even fathom. Well, probably ways that we don't even understand on this side of eternity. But understand, the heart and the mouth have to be in alignment. And when we get them in alignment, it'll take some work. It's going to take some readjusting, and it may take some, you know, really moving some stuff around to get it right uh things will begin to move the right direction and if you got kids i don't care what age they are i don't care if they're 50 i don't care if they're five months old whatever never stop trying to be that example obviously if they move out of your house and they're older and they got their kids but the relationship should be different it should be different i know it's not always that way which creates very unhealthy dynamics but it should be different they're still in your house you still have a chance. They're teenagers. I get it. It gets hard. Don't give up, man. Do not give up. Don't make those excuses of why you can't get to church. Don't make the excuses why you're not in a small group or a men's group or whatever. I've seen so many guys through my years, and I've been in ministry for about 20-some years, 20 years. So many dads, so many men who can succeed in the workplace, succeed within the community, and they're failing at home. They will not get in a men's group. They will not get in a Bible study. They will not do it. And listen, wives, I know you try. I know you try to push them. Men are weird. Like, if you try to push us into something, we will deliberately avoid it. I'm sorry that we're that way. I've done it to my own wife. Like, oh, now I'm definitely not doing it. That's childish. So I'd say that to a guy. If you got a wife trying to encourage you to be a part of something like that, she's for you, okay? It's not trying to fix you. She's for you. But I know men can be incredibly small. And we'll say, well, I'm not doing it then. I've actually had a guy tell me that before. If somebody tells me to do something, then I definitely don't want to do it. What are you, four? What are we doing? But I've seen so many men through the years who will not get in a small group, who will not volunteer for church for ministries, who will not have a, a genuine conversation about faith, the Bible, sin, repentance, Jesus. They just can't. They can't. They can tell you all day long all the facts and figures of other things. Only to watch from a distance now and say, what is going on? It breaks my heart, but bigger than that, I think I know it breaks God's heart. I know it does. But until we draw a line in the sand and say, we're not going to live like that no more, it will continue and we'll just get more of it. I don't want more of it. So, men, appreciate you guys that have listened. You made it this far. Appreciate you guys are walking through this on Fridays, uh, this out in the garage uh, study. I love that we get to talk about this. I love that we kind of know where we're going each week so we can have some continuity. Um, I do want to encourage you. Get and try. Maybe your wife has pushed you or encouraged you to be in it. Uh, ladies, if you're trying, he's not going to do it. If he feels like he's being trapped or you send him the link, I'm sorry. Most guys won't do it. Um, maybe over time. But you guys, if you are having a lady do that, particularly your wife, if you are you know, trying to, I'm saying do it. There's no downside. There's no downside to getting around godly Christian community of high caliber men who take the right things serious. Thanks for listening. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. Mm-hmm.